Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Today I'm joined by the Labour Party Deputy and former Minister Brendan Howland. Good morning and Happy New Year to you, Brendan. Good morning, Alan, and good morning and Happy New Year to all your listeners. Please, God, it will be a good one and indeed better than the one we're leaving behind us. And you want to t- t- take absolution and say that you're not, you haven't brought the gremlins with you into the studio <laughs> this morning. I sincerely hope not. I'm afraid um, technology wouldn't be my strongest suit. Uh, so I, I take um, no credit for things going right. Uh, from the technology point of view and no blame for the things going wrong. Yeah, well now let's uh, look at a a number of issues that are a major concern at the moment and the first big one is health Mm. and uh, you were very much across the the rescuing of Wexford General Hospital with the Community Alliance etc. But this particular situation we now find ourselves in, is this the worst of times, you think, in your living memory as a, as a deputy and indeed as a minister? Mm. Well, there's incredible pressure on the health system, and it's not only on the acute services. Uh, I suppose we see it most visibly in the hospitals, and they're all across the country, uh, including in our own hospital here in Wexford. And thank God we have that hospital here. Can you imagine if uh, we were like Limerick now, uh, people in Clare and North uh, Tip having to travel to a very, very overcrowded hospital in Waterford, which would have been the case had we not pre- protected and preserved Wexford. Uh, and Wexford is a, is a very fine hospital, but we, d- we do need further investment. In my time, I was glad that we got the new accident and emergency because that was critical to preserve uh, a 24-hour uh, uh, operating uh, facility there. But we do need n- 90 additional beds. Uh, unfortunately, that was the next phase that was to happen, and it hasn't happened. Uh, I met with um, the Minister for Health yesterday, as it happened. Right. Uh, I, I was in Dublin, in, in Leinster House, and I pressed the point that we need a massive capital investment. Uh, Certainly in Wexford, we need those 90 beds and we need them uh, urgently but we also need capital investment across the country because we're about 1,500 or 2,000 acute beds short because our population is significantly growing and you can see that in last year's uh, census figures. Uh, And and as Deputy Verona Murphy mentioned yesterday that is one aspect Mm. of it but she was majorly concerned as indeed was Neil Hughes when I spoke to him from Baker Tilly and he once again I want to clarify it, he said he doesn't deal when he goes into firefight, he doesn't. He hasn't dealt with the health issue yeah. yet. Yeah, but he thought that we needed to to bring more people in from outside for to the immediate staffing shortage. I mean, what is your view? Because as it's well known, it's very easy, I suppose, to be on the outside looking yeah. in. But if you were back as a minister again yeah. and you were given the opportunity to address the health service, what would you do? Well, there's a number of issues. Um, I, I began to say that you know we're more focused because it's more visible what's happening in the acute hospitals. But you talk to GPs. GPs are under enormous pressure right now. And somebody coming into Wexford Mm. will find it very difficult to get a GP. So we need more GPs. And that means talking to the GPs about how we facilitate them. I've been dealing with a number of GPs across the county for the last couple of years. Um, Sole practices or one or two person practices are not going to be able to survive because they can't provide locum cover now for, for bereavements for illness, uh, for even holidays, uh, family breaks and so on, family occasions, weddings and and so on. They they can't find that. So if we don't plan uh, the GP service into the the future, we'll have no service. And part of the problem is then what was treated by GPs up to now will be decanted again into our acute system. Uh, And then we need all the ancillary services that everybody, you talk about every day, um, for, you know, the, the supports, the idea of having uh, the primary health care centres was to take pressure off 
the acute system. So that people with minor injuries, uh, people who needed physiotherapy, people who needed x-rays, people who needed stitches, um, could go to these centres. And we need to resource those. Now, uh, that's the very conversation I had yesterday. We're spending an enormous amount of money. Um, I don't agree with Verona, you know, that it's a spin to say there's 11 billion. It's an enormous amount of money. But the way I approached the expenditure of any taxpayer's money is, what are we getting for it? Mm -hmm. Is it best value? Are we getting a return for that level of investment? Because if you look at it, uh, and I look at international comparisons all the time, we expend um, fairly close to the best European averages. But we, we just don't organise our health system well enough. And we've had various, you know, different approaches to change from the Mary Harney days, from Michal Martin's days and so on. Yeah. And we need now, we have a consensus in relation to slow to care. Let's deliver that. And it means resourcing and building the acute system we've talked about okay. for the hospitals in parallel to the community systems that will take the pressure off it. And something that we need more of, again, we took out of the system in the past, is the set-down beds, where there are people who are unwell, but they're not acutely ill. And is what you're suggesting, is that easily doable? Some of it is, some of it isn't. The biggest issue is getting staff, because it's easy, easier, although you wouldn't think it if you look at yeah. our waiting for, for beds in Wexford General, it's easier to build the beds than staff them right now. And one of the things that really will be critical for the next year, and this is something that's going to ha- it's happening right now, is the new consultant's contract. That has been negotiated to have a consultant's contract uh, that will give people um, a different type of delivery of service. That is, a, a consultant-delivered service. Not simply as our hospitals are focused on primarily now the bulk of care given between, say, 9 and okay. 6 in, in the daytime, yeah. but on a 24-7 basis. It's a different type of rostering. It's a different type of resourcing. We need an awful lot more consultants right. completely committed to the public health system to do that. I have to reflect what's coming in on the text yeah, line, sure. particularly when there's a number beside it. And uh, there's a, a listener's text here, which is quite worrying. She says, I'm sending this text to express my horror and disgust at what I witnessed last night at Wexford General Hospital. Mm-hmm. I arrived to visit my dying mother, and there was a crowd of close on 50 individuals outside the hospital. As I went inside, close on another 50 were gathered in the lobby. No masks, parking was disgraceful, parked on the grass, on double yellow lines, even on the public walkway. I cannot blame the security because I'm sure it was very intimidating for him, but I do feel management in the hospital needs to address this. We are all living in hard times. We don't obstruct walkways to avoid paying for parking. All I can say is shame on these people. The management are under ferocious pressure. I mean, you and I both know Dr. Paul Kelly and Dr. Aidan Buckley and these people. When I spoke to Dr. Paul Kelly uh, two days ago on this very, very programme, uh, I, kn- I know him and have yeah. huge respect for him, as you do as well. Absolutely. Um, he and his team and the management, you, they are under ferocious pressure. It, it's not their fault. Well, you can't have a situation where people abuse uh, the situation. You know, staff are at the, their wits' end trying to cope with sick people. So people who are coming in to visit or deliver sick people have to have a common decency and manners to park in the appropriate places, not obstruct, uh, not be intimidating, not actually stop... Particularly when you had nine ambulances, according to to the paramedic and councillor George uh, um, Gercarty, outside the ambulance. He even put up a post. Nine ambulances outside the hospital. And that's a feature across um, not only Ireland, but I was just looking at the same thing happening across Britain yesterday as well. Um, We have almost a perfect storm of residual COVID, 
um, this uh, a very viral flu, uh, other respiratory uh, illnesses, uh, and enormous pressure right. on our health, health systems. And it seems to be, as I say, okay. something that's happening across Europe. But so I you do, put forward your solutions, and you, and you believe they are doable? Well, I've talked to the Minister for Health about them. Some of them are doable immediately. Some of them will take longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, recruiting the staff is the most difficult thing, and recruiting people back. And I talked to them particularly about getting people who have been trained uh, in Ireland who are now working abroad, how to get them back. Pay is part of that, uh, and there's a good pay offer in my judgment. It's a matter for the doctors to make their own decision on that, for consultants on the, uh, on the table. But I think much more importantly is people don't want to come back to a system that is perceived to be in chaos or under pressure. Yeah. So we need to ensure that the resources are there uh, to attract people back to a system that is working. Okay. Let's move on to some of the other areas. I mean, on the, in, on the opposition benches and having been in government as well, I mean, it's very easy to criticise from the outside looking in. Are there positives that you see within this government's current tenure? For example, would one of them be yesterday that they declared a surplus of $5.2 billion and the Exchequer collected a record $83.1 billion. Do you think they should be given credit for this? And if so, what do you think they should use that $5.2 billion on? Well, firstly, as you know, my approach to politics in my entire tenure has been as a doer, not as a commentator. I prefer to deliver as best I can, whether I'm in government or on the opposition, to be constructive, to deal with people, to do my own analysis and present the facts and strive and campaign to have that done. I I don't believe in sitting on the ditch criticising everything. Now, the surplus figures that you talked about uh, were certainly unexpected. Uh, As late as the budget, which was delivered in October, uh, the expected surplus was less than a billion euros. Uh, And this has come almost exclusively, largely, from capital or from um, corporate taxes. Corporate tax, Corporate tax, uh, which has gone up 300% in three years. Now, the concern you'd have about that is that, is it sustainable? And you saw some of the big techs laying off a lot of people. Yeah. Now, the Taunishta is, or now the Taoiseach, I should say, he was the Taunishta up to a month ago, was saying, well, um, this is a, a temporary blip, but you can't build an economy on uncertainty. So I would not spend, you know, that amount of corporate taxes with the assumption that it's a permanent feature. Mm. But what you can do is you can spend it on capital because you, capital is a once-off spend uh, and therefore we can build the facilities we're talked about, uh, you know, continue the drive uh, to the public health centres to take yeah. the pressure off the acute hospitals and provide the accommodation, the 90 beds in, in, in Wexford General. Spend that capital. It's there. It's real. It may not reoccur, but you don't need it to reoccur if you spend it on capital. Right. You do if you spend it on... So you uh, think they should be commended for this then? Or do, well, do you it, credit them with it or do you credit... I, I credit um, international taxation on boosting uh, the, the corporate tax take. Um, there's been huge negotiation at international level and I was involved in it in the OECD, in the Organisation for Security, or yeah. Cooperation in Europe in, in relation to um, having a common level of corporate taxes yeah. because there was a view that huge multinationals yeah. were picking and choosing where they're t- investing and weren't paying, in some cases, any tax. Okay. So now there's an agreement that there would be a common taxation system and transparency. So Ireland, like other countries, is obliged 
right. to, to publish the tax um, paid so, by all so, these companies. So you're, you're, you're welcoming the, the, the findings and the funding, uh, but you're, you want it invested in capital. I want it invested that that amount of money that is clearly or, or potentially non-recurring. Yeah. You can't spend that embedded in your constant spend because if you increase the spend by say 5 billion this year yeah. and you don't have that money you have a crisis by the end of next year but you do have it as a once off use it as a bonus use it well you can certainly what i hope the government will do for example is continue the alleviation okay. uh, of um hardship Right. that people have with, with their heating bills. Uh, that's due to Well, that's extra- an interesting one because I know I've, I've already spoken to someone whose electricity bill was €700. Euro. Shocking. Um, so I, I just put that out to our morning mix listeners. Yeah. You should be getting your electricity bills at the moment. What is the bill? Let's find out what the highest yeah. bill for a household in Wexford was. As I said, somebody today stopped me to tell me they told me their bill was over €728 euro for a household bill. Well, there are three, there are three payments agreed by government. Uh, three €200 euro payments. That won't be enough Hmm. Um, and that I think the capacity is there now uh, to ensure that that rolls on uh, well into beyond the winter season so April and May and I would certainly if I was in a position to make a decision I would allocate some of the spare capital uh, to that right now. Again that's a once off payment it's not a recurring payment. Okay. Look I want to get your your, your, your priorities for 2023 from you, to conclude, but I, I have to refer to something. I suppose if you're in the media or you're in politics, you are prone to getting abuse, verbal and other abuse. Uh, you have to take it sometimes. Sometimes you don't have to take it. Sometimes you may be even tempted and may do go to Angarnish corner to report it. But what happened yesterday with bags of excrement being thrown at politicians, is this a, is this a new law? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it is. I, I haven't heard of excrement being thrown before, and maybe there's someone going to text in, you deserve excrement thrown at you, I don't care. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but, but, but I'm, no, no, I mean, no one deserves it. No one deserves the it. The bottom line is, now, uh, this was in the west of Ireland, um, Kieran Cannon and Anne Rabbit, two people I've great time for, hmm. two politicians who happen to be members of government parties, um, we're at a public meeting and somebody threw bags of excrement, one bag at each of them. And Kieran Cannon said afterwards, is it any wonder it's hard to get people into, to, politics. To into politics now? Yeah. And it is because, you know, people, by and large, people in politics, and I've dealt with thousands of them, yeah. do their best. They go into politics to serve their communities. And if they're elected by their own people, they're doing something right. And no gobda should be there to, to do something as, as, as vulgar and vile and awful right. as... I mean, could you imagine the mentality that actually collects that in a bag yeah. to bring it to a public meeting? It is beyond imagination that that would happen. And I think we do need... It, it goes to the, the point I think you made about the hospital earlier. Yeah. There's a level of decency that used to exist that we need to restore again. Right. And we need to have standards for all of us that... Some things are beyond the pale and not acceptable. If, if you don't agree with Anne Rabbit or if you don't agree with Kieran Cannon, yeah. vote them out at the next election. Stand yourself if you have an argument to make. But don't drive people out. And you can see the vulgarity of politics abroad. What's yeah. happening with the Trumpists? Has it ever tempted you to walk away from it? I mean, no. I get it uh, no, on occasions no. as well. I mean, and I mean, you're only human. And it does affect yeah, you. I, and and I, even though you can... You can I, I, I'll often, when I get it, I go mm. out and go for a run. Uh, but but in but, your but, case, what do you do with but, it? But the other side of that is the the vast, vast majority of people are decent. The vast, vast majority of people would be scandalised and horrified hmm. by that. 
and they sustain you. They they know that you're doing your best. Yeah. And by and large, they're you know they're the people who elect you, who support you. And in a way, you get to the point of saying, I'm not going yeah. uh, to, to be driven out by the lowest common denominator when the vast bulk of decent people want something better. And to be positive, and I, you know, you're always talking about being positive, with well, the start of a new year, we have a wonderful country. We have a lot of big problems. We haven't touched on the most serious problem, which is homelessness. And, and I know you did, you did a, a major piece on this. And we will be doing one before. again. Yeah. And I'll come and talk to you about that. We need to solve that problem. And that is even more solvable than the health okay. crisis. But we really are a wonderful, wonderful country with enormous potential. Right. And if you look at any international comparison, Ireland is a wonderful place to be. I have to bring in the bingo, which we lost out, unfortunately, <laughs> earlier, but we have it back. So to conclude our conversation with you, can you give me your top three targets for 2023, please? And tomorrow, it will be the turn of Sinn Féin's uh, Johnny Mythen, and on Monday, we'll be inviting uh, Deputy Paul Kyo, and then on Wednesday, we'll be speaking to Senator Malcolm Byrne. But... Uh, your top three priorities for Wexford are what? Well, obviously, um, I'm hoping on the international front that we have peace again because that will impact on everything and our capacity to do anything. But we really do need to uh, resolve finally, and it won't surprise you I mentioned this, the campus for the Southeast Technical University. We, we need to have the Wexford campus done and dusted <clears throat> in the course of this year and the capital allocation for it and we need the academic board of the university in consultation with all parties right. uh, to determine what faculties should be developed here because that's the engine of growth for the future. Mm-hmm. I want to see, obviously, the housing situation in Wexford resolved with significant capital I- uh, input from the state to build local authority houses on local authority land and we, ha- we can do that this year. Okay. And thirdly, uh, obviously we want to, to ensure that the health services are operational, uh, that we get the 90 bed uh, two units that are going to, to come. Um, you, you know, positive noises were made to me yesterday by the Minister for Health. He's driving that and I hope that can be done. And if I add a fourth, and that is the full potential of Ross Lair, um, the, the link road in uh, and its full potential to be a driver, particularly with offshore wind and offshore yeah. energy, is something we have to focus on. So they're my four big ticket items for Wexford for 2023. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.